You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome in, Castleway and Spare Time Bowling Show on 105.7 FM. The fans, Steve Sparky, Pfeiffer. Right, all work from the Sprayer Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. Looky, looky, who happened to find his way into the studio today. <laughs> Phil Bryl from Extra Frame. He his very own. Flow Bowling as well. Phil, nice that you can make it in. Hey, it's good to be in studio. Uh, home for one more day and off to Lubbock for the Lubbock Sports Open. So looking forward to that event. And first PBA event of Mixed Patterns for 2019. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun week. So uh, how's your wife dealing with all this? I mean, you're on the road more now than you've ever been. Oh, yeah, she, it was fine. Normally yes. you were at home doing <laughs> yeah. high school tournaments and yeah. doing whatever, and now yeah. you're out and about and never home. I still had a chance to do a couple of them during the holidays, but now, uh, like, my one bowling tournament a year, we had it scheduled. I bowled yesterday at Highland Lanes, and Dave Sherbarth, great host there once again. And, of course, she welcomed me home by kicking my backside on the lanes. So, I mean, she gave me <laughs> – Nice. She read me the riot act out there, but it was a fun day. And, uh, yeah, you just, you just got to schedule things out a little bit more and, uh, you know, 19 years of marriage and – yeah, you, 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 a little time apart makes the heart grow fonder. So we, we've done pretty well with it. And, Good. you know, modern technology, Skype and all that makes it pretty easy. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, Dwight, he's with his wife 24-7, so we don't have this <laughs> issue. Uh, okay, so let's talk about uh, what's going on uh, in the bowling world. Uh, PBA Oklahoma Open obviously was last week, um, and we will talk about that momentarily. First, uh, some programming notes. Uh, this week, I did remember to do what I was supposed to do to get Chris Barnes on the show. <laughs> and then Chris Barnes advanced to today to bold. So there is no Chris Barnes for week number two. I, at this point, I said, I think we're just good luck for you. Um, <laughs> and he laughed. Uh, but we will have uh, Jeff Riggles on from 11thframe.com around 920-ish or somewhere in that area because uh, we're never on time. So we'll get to him uh, at some point, 11thframe.com. All right, so we're going to talk about today's, uh, about the Oklahoma Open uh, last week. I'm going to start off with a rant. Phil, I don't need you to expose anybody or anything. I'm not asking you to put anybody on the spot. I because I don't know who's to blame. You may not know who's to blame. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I think I know where he's Whoever going. Whoever is telling Rob Stone to back off the handbone thing and sound like a 65 year old man and say four bagger can shut the hell up at <laughs> any point, dude. I've about had my fill of this crap. It was weird and awkward like the first week, and I was like, well, he just hasn't been back here for a while, and then last week. I I've, I finally have had it. 
I'm sick of it. And I don't know if it's Randy Peterson doesn't like Hambone, and he's the one in his ear going, well, real bowlers say four-bagger night back in the 1980s when I bowled. Who gives a damn what they said when you bowled? He is the guy that brings entertainment to this sport. If I wanted boring play-by-play guy, there's a million of them I can find that can do all the boring bowling terms that you want to appease your old ass. I don't want it on my TV show. Plain and simple. I realize it's 9.04 in the morning, but I've had my fill of this. You brought him back to entertain. You did not bring him back to be another bowling guy. You brought him back and you had handboat all over the lanes and everything else when he came back. You promoted the hell out of it. And now all of a sudden we're using four bagger. Stop. Enough. Stupid. Oh, you gave it in Swedish. I don't care. Going into the commercial, right? <clears throat> but yeah, yeah yes. it's, it, it, it's so stupid. He was dying to say it. Was the whole damn yep. point of bringing him back was to yeah. get that back and the fun back. If he wants to come up with Little Piggy for five in a row, I don't care. <laughs> Let him call it what he wants Yahtzee. to call it. Who cares? It just seemed that there was a general uncomfortableness for both guys commentating this last show. So for some reason, and I don't know why. I don't think there was any directives given. I don't think there was anything like that. It just yeah. seemed like there was a general uncomfortableness between the two guys. And I've worked with Randy on yeah. extra back in the extra frame days, yeah. and it didn't sound like Randy either. Hmm. I, I don't know what the deal last week was. Both guys had a bad day. Somebody's barking I, in their ear the whole time. Okay, I have then no I watched, idea. Me? I watched a, a different show then. I found myself three or four different times during that show laughing out no, loud. No, there were yeah. funny things in the yeah. show. I'm not saying there wasn't. Right. I'm just saying. But why are they this, stifling him on right. the uh, right on the handball? Especially bone. when they embraced <clears throat> it when he came right. back. They had handball all over the place when he came back, and well, now all of a sudden he's saying four bagger. Come yeah, on. yeah okay. it's just. Go I, ahead, Dwight. Yeah, I just. It was something that happened in 2006, 2007, 2008, and maybe people are looking at it as. That's old news already. That's an old style, but that's his call. Right. Correct. Euchre has his home run call. All these baseball guys yep. have their calls. Uh, uh, what you gonna call? What's his name? The Packer guy. Larravee, yeah. he's got his call. Right. Ted Davis has There's his call dagger. when a game is over, right? right? It's in the bank of drawing interest. Right. All of these guys, right. all have signature calls. That's his call. And now he's saying four bagger? Come on, yeah. man. Yeah. You can't have that. I'm I mean, you can. Obviously, you're going to. But you just you take away the whole the whole fun factor of it. Like I said, yes. if he wants to make up some stupid term for for five in a row, let him. If he wants to make up a term yeah, for picking up a tank pin, let him. Yeah. I yeah. don't care. I'm, mm. I thought your rant was going to be all oh, oh, and hot. And Phil, the, the, I don't have rants like Sparky has rants, but um, I I thought he was going to go with the lane breakdowns and why it takes so long for the mechanic to reset the well that's okay. So on live TV, and we'll get to that. But uh, conspiracy theory <laughs> guy, right? So Jesper has all those issues having to sit there and wait to pick yeah. up his spare. Yeah, and then coincidentally, the same thing Butcher happens off. to Butcherov. Right. I was sitting here at home being conspiracy theory guy, going, "Well, Jesper kind of got screwed here. <laughs> right. So now they're going to make him wait a little bit and do it manually." Because it think, didn't happen after that. Yeah, I don't think it was. I think it was just because of how they cycle those pin setters. Because you can draw up what pins get set from the front right. desk. And if you saw right when the right when they tried to get rid of the Deadwood on Jesper's big four, you saw a gentleman get up and run yes, offset. I did. That's yeah. Farrell Williams. He's the general manager of the bowling center. He went to the control counter to punch in the pins and get set. And then there was an issue with that as well. That's yeah. why when it finally got it, the butcher of seven pin, they just had the the old school that the guy with the hook. 
there, there was obviously a problem with it, but yeah. it just doesn't look good on live TV. You think there'd no be a, me- a mechanic back there with a headset on yeah. or walkie-talkie or something? You know, just shut off the machine, set them up by hand, and get out of there. So it, it just didn't look very good on TV. But I, I've never seen Jesper so upset by it. I mean, that literally took him out of the match. Well, you know, here you go. You throw your first shot. You know your opponent gets out there, throws, it, it more, sur- the throws more surface. Right. You make that first guess. It's wrong. You're frustrated because now you've just thrown away a frame. You only have nine more to catch up. And yeah. you know how tough Buttrip's going to be. You don't expect him to, to bird box spares again like he did right. in the second frame. So And he did. Yeah, and yes, for you know, a little <laughs> bit of hope with that one. Right. But yeah, you could just see the frustration right away with all of a sudden up. Oh, I don't think But I'm... it's part of the game nowadays. Right. I mean, no matter what whether it's the lefties destroying their own pattern or the righties getting so deep during yep. qualifying and match play I... for these guys in the other part of the tournament where the lefties gotta go through the righties landing area and yes. make those adjustments. It, it it's a matter of pattern management nowadays. I, I just haven't seen a pro lose as cool. In a long time, like Jesper did during that match. I said to Betty, I, my wife, when I was watching, I go, he is mad. He? But I don't think it was that. Was I think he was mad that because Buttriff changed balls and ruined his, his shot. Pattern. And then he and, couldn't figure out how to get <laughs> it right. back. And That's I, what had him mad. And, well, and I said out loud, well, <laughs> welcome to the right side. That's what happens to the righties all the no time. Doubt. <laughs> yes. right. Yeah, I mean, you see it all tournament long. And Doherty tried doing that to all the righties with what he did because he did that in ma- the yeah, la- he did that in ma- back in match play when he made his run. He had a pair of lanes he started on. He did the one ball urethane, one ball resin on each lane, yeah. and he totally wrecked that pair for everybody else the rest of the day. Right. So he got the position around EJ Tack and Nick Payton on that pair. They both shoot 180s. Doherty shoots 279 on the pair next door, passes them for the TV show. So Doherty's going in with that. And he talked about it on Flow Bowling the day before. Uh, he, he's going in with that mindset of I'm going to do something different in order to get my advantage to try to do something, and he tried, but he just made oh, bad st- shots. Stop! 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 <laughs> stop! Listen. So Doherty gets up there in that first match. Yeah. And I tell my fiance when he misses the ten pin, I go, "Watch this dude completely flake out and throw a horrible first ball next 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 frame." She's like, "Why?" I said, "Cause I I know how this works. Watch." Sure enough, just yanks a horrible shot, leaves a split. I'm like, it's done. It's all done. Yeah. And she goes, well, how did you know that? I said, because I've watched him bowl forever. I know how he is. And I bet you money, babe, that Rob Stone, who called his horrible last game, is in his brain, and he knows he's sitting over there, and he's thinking about it, and he can't handle it. And sure enough, later in the show... He starts talking to Rob Stone about he leaves a ten pin. He's like, if I miss but another that, one, that was you got to go. Funniest bit I have it heard. It was, in years. it was, and I laughed. And Rob Stone was laughing, and it was good. Oh my god, and it was then, hilarious! Right, and then yeah. at the end, him and Rob Stone, he says some more stuff about Rob right. Stone about going back to soccer or whatever right. under his breath. Yeah. And I laughed, and I thought it was funny. That dynamic was cool, right? Super you don't funny. get that with another play-by-play guy, whatever right. else. Right. Those two are obviously cool. It seems like yeah. that was fun. But the, the mental aspect of it, Phil, yeah. you just, I mean, you saw it. After he missed a 10 put he put his hand in his hands, yep. and I'm thinking to myself, he's thinking about the last time he was on TV with Rob Stone sitting over there, and he's going to yank this bad boy. Watch. He, he mentioned it the day before in Flow Bowling. He goes, I'm looking forward to getting some redemption with Rob Stone. He was thinking about that already the day before. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. E, 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 e. Not good. <laughs> uh, but that is, that's what comes with it, and people don't realize it. And this is in all sports, right? The psychology the mental of the sport. aspect yeah. of everything. Yeah. Baseball, basketball, Dr. football, Dr. bowling, whatever. Yes. <laughs> Hold on, guys. Let me pull up my Infinity Cube over here. I'll get right. started before oh, we yeah, well, got that coming up. We got that coming <laughs> up. Swenson's We've got that coming up. Anybody else Unreal. ever seen Dom Barrett open up 
that second match. He had three opens in a row. Mm. Had 32 after three. It's I don't think I've transition. ever. I'm trying to think. Yeah. The last time I've seen Don Barron on TV open three times in a row, I'm not sure I've ever seen it. Probably not. Probably never. It's just he got fooled. He got absolutely fooled by. You saw his ball motion change at the end of the mm-hmm. seven bagger. Yes. Yep. And he goes, okay, yep. well, maybe if I just make this move, stay with the same ball. Well, that didn't work. So then he changes balls. Ball gets cleared through the front. But Dwight, you know when that happens, clearing through the front is more aggressive on the back. Right. A couple splits. And all of a sudden, okay, now I make the bigger move. And, you know, in, in an eight-game well, qualifying block, you can get away with a few shots like that. You can't get away with it on TV. Peterson touched about it, uh, that obviously with um, Tom throwing the urethane, that it could change the pattern and the shot for the next game. Right. Which exactly had happened. Yeah. I have never seen in social media so much talk, negative talk, uh, from the high average bowlers out there about urethane destroying lane conditions, Phil, this last week. They just need to be quiet because they're not bowling on the Pro Tour. Any of those keyboard jockeys, I, I, I kind of had a rant about that in Flow Bowling last week. These guys aren't out there throwing the ball. These guys don't know what these professional conditions are like. Oh, it's too easy. They're averaging 240. Mm-hmm. Get out of here, chew up, and throw it then. Uh, it's enough for these keyboard jacks. These high average bowlers that bowling these ten to one ratio house shots. I sure. can do that. So let me get your What's opinion. Stopping you? Some guys say urethane should be banned. What's your feelings on it, Phil? You should be able to use anything you want. Use rubber. Who cares? Yeah, right. I, I agree with Phil right. on this one. Listen, you can't. And if that's why four bagger is is out there because of these idiots on Facebook or social media complaining about they don't like handball and we're reacting to that, yeah. that's even worse than anything else I said earlier in the show. You cannot react to a bunch of bitter old dudes on Facebook complaining about it's not the 1970s anymore. Right. Just stop. Stop reacting to them. Stop reacting to the dude that's never bowled on anything, like you said, other than his house shot. Just do what you do and let the product speak for itself. Yeah. You, what they have to do is they've got to figure out how you can get the 20-something-year-olds to be the next generation of fans to watch this thing all the way through. Mm-hmm. And these older dudes ain't going to be here forever. So how do you get the younger the younger group to to continue bowling and watching bowling. How do you get the high school kids to watch bowling and continue watching bowling? How do you get the college kids to still watch bowling? Yes, yeah. you've got a great deal going out in Portland, Maine. Right. Great. But what about the rest of the country? Right. Yeah. That's what you have to worry about. Don't worry about the rest yeah. of these fools. It doesn't matter. And if you're one of those fools, too bad. I don't care about you. The way I just I, don't. Not know, if I'm Tom Clark, I don't. Yeah. I've got to put the best product out there that I can. When I made bowling with the champs, I just looked at it. I had to do whatever I had to do to win. Right. That's how I looked at it. And, and those guys are bowling for a much bigger purses than a local bowling show. So I'm sure they're in the same attitude. I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. Go out there. They go out there. They'll spend another 45 bucks to drill a ball up on the truck between rounds because they know that's the advantage they need next round to have right. a chance to get in the show. Where Joe Average Bowler, I'm not, I'm not buying another ball. It's right. just the shot should be fine. It's a house shot. I'll. They'll just adjust this the is their living. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, so moving on. I'm just going through my notes here, and you just hop in with whatever you got. Sure. The re-rack graphic under the names. We never really talked about that last week because we did a real short segment last week on last week's show. But the re-rack graphic under the name, like it. Big fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I don't think Average Bowler knew how many re-racks you got or mm-hmm. anything like that. So I like that that graphic. Uh, Lenny Borsch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, a couple up. cameos. Yeah. Couple cameos. He was on TV as much as the bowlers were. Yeah, he was down there all week. He was uh, Storm has changed up their ball reps to be more of the three tours: the women's tour, senior tour, men's tour. Uh, and so Jim Callahan's the head guy for yeah. the PBA tour, uh, and they're rotating some ball reps in. I've heard a rumor that Kelly Kulik might be coming in the ball rep uh, for a week or two uh, in February for Storm as well. So it's great. you got the knowledge, it right? Yeah, if, I agree. And, and Lenny's got the knowledge. Yeah, he might. 
be you know a great senior bowler. He might not be able to keep up with the kids, but he drills enough equipment. He sees everything. He knows ball motion. He's gonna be able to help these guys out down there, and you know, st- he help Yesterberg get to the show. Mm-hmm. Man, I was loving it. Yeah. Oh, I remember that one Castle Lades pro shop guy from Kenosha oh, yeah, sitting there great. on TV the whole yep. time helping yep. out Yesper. That's yeah. pretty sweet. Yep. And I remember that one match, he was lost, and he looked back at his um, tour rep, and Randy Peterson picked picked up on it and said, Callahan just told him, two and two, lateral move right. Right. First once, and next shot right back into the pocket. So those guys are absolutely invaluable to the pros, especially in that one-game match that goes by so fast. Even the pros have to turn and look for help at times. Yep, no question about it. As we continue to talk about the Oklahoma Open last week, still to come, we'll talk with Jeff Riggles of 11thFrame.com coming up in a few minutes. All right, so let's get to the Esper match uh, against Buttrick. So mm-hmm. th- they were talking all about this on air, and I figured, well, this would be good to bring up to these two guys here on the show. So, all right, so talk about when they say, you know, the urethane ball more surface is in Buttriff said it himself on TV. It wasn't like he was keeping a secret of what he was trying to do. And obviously it worked against Jesper. So explain to common Joe listening what the heck was going on. Well, obviously when you're adding more surface, it's going to take more of the oil off of the lane. And it just took too long for Jesper to adjust to that change. Or maybe he was in mind, his mind thought, that it wasn't going to break down that fast, so he just had to make an adjustment. And the reason he was like sanding it down or whatever else was to pick up as much oil as he could going through, right? Well, get, maybe just to get the look he was looking right. for. And to get the ball rear. And now, if this is the great part. I love Fox, and I love the strike track. And if right. you paid attention yep. to Jesper's ball oh all God. day long, where Amazing. was Jesper's, where was Jesper's ball hitting the break point? It wasn't outside of the pattern. Right. It was in the pattern. It was right. still oil in that pattern. When that ball would start to make its move back to the pocket, right? That ball was easily moving a lot of times, 37, 38 feet on a 42 foot pattern, to make that move to the pocket. Buttriff takes that oil in the midsection and the lane away, and Jesper all of a sudden his ball's breaking earlier, and he can't yes. control and he can't control it. All of a sudden, right. he has this huge blow out of drive from 38 to 42 yes. feet. He's done. That's and the it. other thing that I noticed also, and they had the graphic on it, was how for these guys as much rev rate and much speed as they put in the ball. Such pinpoint accuracy. They, mm-hmm. I mean, Swenson and Buttroff did not miss their mark by a, like a tenth of an inch. Yep. The ball was going over exactly the same spot, both spots on the lane that they showed the graphic, how accurate these guys are. Yeah, you look at the shot where, where Swenson left the 6-8 in the fourth frame. Or, right. or the fifth, or the fifth right. frame. He it had, makes it. He had absolutely yeah. label it compared to the shot before. Right. But because it reads a little bit earlier, that little more oil is off and the I lane. I think that's what upsets them so much is they feel in their mind they threw a great shot, which they did. And then it's not where it's supposed to be when it hits the pins. Right. So Jesper's opens up with a four six seven ten. Okay. And then they have the whole delay and all that stuff. Uh, and then Buttruff, uh has his own delay uh, on the seven pin or whatever it was. Misses the seven pin. Right. And now it's like, oh no, here we go again. This is last week. So now here we go back to the mental mind games again. We talked about it with Doherty mm-hmm. earlier, and I was like, okay, kid, how are you? How are we gonna do this? How are we? Oh, he he did it all right, man. He strung together a bunch <laughs> of strikes after that. <laughs> And there was no problems whatsoever until Cubegate happened. And the cube or the water bottle, which really is yeah, a bigger I thought issue. Of the water bottle right, right away. Cube versus right. water bottle. I put it down my notes immediately. You know, which really is the bigger issue. It's funny because he's sitting, he's playing with that cube. I'm like, boy, that is he is a nervous dude, right? He's playing yeah. with it, whatever. Yep. And then I didn't realize that he could hear it. But I guess if you have a Rubik's Cube, we have one at home. I'm like, I started messing with it. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess you can kind of hear it. If you're in the same room uh, and it gets so quiet in a bowling center, I guess that would make sense that Jesper could hear it. Is there a PBA rule on distraction, Phil? 
Probably not. Not a direct rule, but if he asked, I'm sure Kirk von Kruger would have taken it into consideration. Okay. If yes, I didn't know if said, there was anything to knock that off. written. You know that I mean, you got to be respectful when your opponent's on the approach. No, there's gamesmanship all the time in match play and stuff, but it's not to the point of you know distraction, distraction kind of thing. I mean, it's when a guy's coming off an approach or or that type of thing. You take an extra re rack. You, well, you were there. Did you hear it? I wasn't. No, I wasn't in Shawnee. I was on my way home. I oh, called, you're on your way yeah. home already, right? So, so yeah, yeah. So I had to I had to watch the DVR. And no, I didn't hear it, but he didn't have it during the week either, during match play. He was he's usually in match play. He's usually walking around behind the approach and that kind well, of he thing. He walked off camera there. Yeah. And, and that's had, what he does that yeah, too. Every had, other every other shot he was backed by his tour reps. Right. And I think he knew that Jesper was mad at him or right. heard the comment. Yeah. And he wasn't trying to to go further. Yeah. Right. Like other bowlers may have done. So <laughs> they were on TV. <laughs> I'm not talking about you, Belmo. Uh okay, so uh, so it ends up, uh, Jesper then gets a six, eight split, uh, later picks it up. That was just awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That was, that was a great, yeah. great pickup at that point. Too little, too late though. Didn't really matter. Buttriff, uh, wins. And then of course we have to ask him about his, his grandpa who died. And then mm-hmm. he almost starts crying on TV. It was an Oprah moment. Yeah. Uh, but he pulled himself together and, and celebrated after. I thought it was, it was a pretty good show. show. Yeah. I thought all it was a pretty good show. Just been great shows. Yeah. I think they've done a real nice job. But I have two questions for Phil. I've been dying all week to ask him. Number, quickly, number one, is it good to be a lefty right now on the tour? You have to be a great lefty. You can be a good lefty. Look, ask Randall Page what he did in, in Shawnee last week after making the show. These guys are, are throwing the ball so well, and they, they have their hand in the right equipment at this moment that that's why they've done well the first two events. Yeah, a lot of lefties and on TV. Look at Belmo. Belmo just missed the show in Shawnee. He was sixth. He and, had 268, and, and <clears> if, <throat> if he wouldn't have gotten beat by Doherty, Belmo would have been the five seed. Okay. Now, match play. My other question for you, Phil, I'm just noticing it myself. Are the international players better than the Americans right now? I wouldn't say better, but it depends on the Winning week. more? It, well, yeah. yeah, it depends on the week, but also you got to look at you know the number of guys that have won overseas and come over here. I mean, you look at Dom's, they showed the graphic on the show, four of Dom's titles of his seven are overseas titles. He's only won three times in the States, but... The guys are, you know, the U.S. guys go overseas the bowl, and the overseas guys comes here. Well, number one, see, the last three shows have been Buttrev. Yeah, yeah, from Arizona, Arizona. Yep. Arizona, right? So he's Phil Brilo. He is Dwight Albrecht, Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. Coming up next, we'll talk with Jeff Riggles of EleventhFrame.com here on the Fan. Welcome back, Castle Late Spare Time Bowling Show on 105.7 FM. The fancy Sparky Pfeiffer, Phil Brallo, 11th over there from Extra Frame. Almost called him 11thframe.com. From Extra Frame and uh, Dwight Albrecht, Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. This man is the man that runs and operates 11thframe.com. He is Jeff Riggles. Jeff, thanks a lot for coming on, man. Anytime, Sparky. Happy to be here. Uh, okay, first, uh, your thoughts on uh, Fox uh, and the way they've gone about doing their broadcasts, the commercials. I think the uh, 10 Pins Down commercial where it's like he's almost in a casino or a gambler-type dude, Rod, Rob Stone and stuff. I thought that commercial is really well done by the PBA Tour. Uh, your thoughts? I, I think everything about Fox is uh, a, a true positive. I mean, everything from Specto to the uh, promotions they've done, to having Rob Stone back. And uh, I was listening earlier on online here to you guys, and I agree with you 100%. Give us the ham bone. Have fun. This is entertainment. 
Uh, we could find any boring dude to come in here and say four bagger. I mean, I for the li- for love of God, that was not the point of, of bringing him back. And if it was the point to bring Rob Stone back and tone him down and make him, you know, a, a 1980s bowling announcer, then this was a horrible decision. Then they shouldn't have done yeah. it. They could have got somebody a lot cheaper than Rob Stone to come in here to do that. I agree 100%. Uh, this is all about entertainment, getting the casual fan excited. Us Corb fans are going to watch no matter right. what. The only way PBA grows, the only way Fox profits from this and grows the PBA is getting more casual fans, upping the excitement, any kind of fun you can have without compromising the integrity of the competition, I'm all for, and the ham bone's part of that. If you don't like it, just ignore it. I agree. I'm with you 100%. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page there. Uh, okay, so uh, l- let's move on. Do you like the graphics uh, that Fox has now? We all love it, obviously, on the show with the strike tracker and all that fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one thing we've missed in bowling that other sports have had is a lot of that technical analytics stuff. And Specto is a thing that shows you exactly how good these guys really are or when they fail, how bad they threw a shot. You know, that very first clash, though, remember Marshall Kent almost threw a gutter ball and missed the head pin, and it was boards outside, and you could see it. And Randy can use that with Rob to explain why a shot missed and show you actual physical evidence. And the thing I look forward to is I hope they have some of the Specto on in the CP3 show so we can see (laughs) some uh, some of these guys and see how different... It is for non-professionals right. versus the professionals. Yeah, and they should they should ghost uh, over late with like Jesper's, <laughs> what Jesper does versus you know what right. the NASCAR driver does on the show or whatever the case may be. Hey, you know the other thing that I, I really liked about this last show was they really did the ABCs of bowling really well as far as Rob Stone playing the guy, the casual fan, and asking. Randy Peterson, you know, questions about different things of, okay, for the average person at home, what does that mean, right. Randy? I think they're doing a good job of that, too. Yeah, I, I really <laughs> like uh, how Rob and Randy interact. I think they, and, and it's nothing against Dave Lamont. I really like Dave. I've met him. I talked to him. It just There's just a chemistry there between Rob and Randy. And I know last week's show there was a couple of weird points, but I think those two guys really do like each other from everything I've talked to, you know, Randy over the years. He likes Rob I, from everything I know. And I just love how those two interact because they're both kind of the same personality, upbeat, entertaining, funny, like to joke. And I think they, those two guys together really add a lot to the show. They're kind of the modern-day per- perfect couple where in the old boring days or whatever, more serious days, Bo Burton and Chris Schenkel might have been, been the right thing for bowling. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a good comparison, as long as they let Rob Stone be Rob Stone. Let Rob yeah. Stone be the entertainer. Don't like act like he's got to be all serious and stuff because then it's, not, it's pointless to even have Rob Stone. Uh, okay, so details at 11thframe.com, your lead story that you put up yesterday. Details finally released on Bolero Elite Series. Explain. Yeah, this thing is really wild, isn't it? Um, it, There's a lot of different ways to look at this, but the bottom line is we're going to have eight Bolero League bowlers. Some of them could be in Milwaukee, and uh, they're going to be on this show that will tape – Brylo is pointing to himself, thinking he's going to be good enough. I'm, put, I'm putting the vi- I'm putting a video in. You all you have to make a funny video. That's right. All you, you got to do is make, make a good a video. video. Yep. And then there'll be eight pros, and I'm sure it's going to be. They haven't released him yet, but I'm sure it's going to be Belmo. I wouldn't be surprised by Kyle Troop. I heard they might have a woman or two in there. Um, looking forward to that. All those AMs are guaranteed five thousand. All the pros are guaranteed ten thousand, and they're going to be in separate brackets. And at the end of the bracket. 
There's going to be a winner in the AM and a winner in the pros, and they're going to meet. First is 270000 and second is 80000 And if they enforce no chopping rules, that is no pooling the money and splitting it up rules somehow, you know, with written statements or whatever, written contracts, this is going to be an amazing match to watch. <laughs> I mean, listen, that's bigger money than anybody's ever bowled with in the history of bowling. Mika winning the tournament champions in 2011 for 250 is the the previous highest prize, so uh, I'm gonna I'm planning to go down there. I just I just want to see this happen. Okay, so where is this going to be react. at? Uh, the finals will be Tuesday, April second at Bolero Romeoville, which is in the Chicago suburbs, um, southwest suburb, I and, believe. Yeah. Romeoville, up by Bolingbrook. And Bolero is flipping the cost for this, or do they have a big sponsor? No, no, this is all Bolero. This is uh, this is they're trying to turn around some of their image. It looks like of not supporting competitive bowling. You know, they are involved with PBA, USBC to an extent, and they supposedly are going to make a much bigger push towards league bowling in the coming years. And this is sort of the start of it to show we're putting our money where our mouth is. Now, I don't see how they don't lose their tails on this. Right. Um, it's so much money to put in there. I just don't see what the return on investment is. But I guess they're looking at the return on investment is getting a different image for them. And I guess they've come to religion that league bowling is okay, which wasn't how they were originally, or at least wasn't how they were perceived originally. And, uh, boy, there's if there was a Bolero here in Madison, I would uh, probably make my own funny video and try. And I hope all your listeners in Milwaukee, if you bowl league at Bolero, you got a chance to to do this. Make a funny video. You think it's till February? Uh, the date's like February nineteenth is the is the uh, the deadline. Go ahead, Phil. February eleventh. I'm well, sorry, February eleventh. And you just mentioned the, it's not just a commitment to league bowlers that bowlers looking to turn around. They're doing it with tournaments as well because they're the host of the Peterson, and they've committed a lot of resources the last couple of years to make that tournament better down in Chicago as well. Yeah, absolutely. I've written a lot about that. Uh, lots of conversations with Mike Sleds and Jim Welch, and uh, you got to give Bolero all the credit in the world. They've invested a lot of money to help bring the Peterson, stabilize it, and bring it back. It's paying out a lot more, and uh, you know that's that's a huge piece of bowling history. That's a lot of fun. It would be a shame if it died. And I, if nothing else that Bolero's ever done, I give him all the credit in the world for that. And here's another thing. So th- I know they've done a lot of things that have pissed a lot of people off out there serious bowlers but they're they're not 100 percent evil i guess is the way to put it they have done some very good things for competitive bowling i don't know about that but that space invaders game looked awesome man <laughs> i i don't know where where they got that space invaders game from i've never seen it i mean i'm, I'm a big david busters guy they don't have that game sitting in a seat playing space <laughs> invaders looks sweet as all heck to me jeff Riggles. <laughs> uh, as, a, as a person who came up during the age of Space Invaders, I have to agree. Hey, let me ask you this. So here in Milwaukee, since you brought up this whole Bolero wants to be taken more seriously, we've got a bowling revolution about to occur in this town. So you've got Round 1 Entertainment that's going in by Southridge. You have Whirly Ball or whatever the heck it is. That's going in uh, Brookfield Square Mall. That's going in there. You have Punch Bowl Entertainment that's going in the live block across from the Bucks Arena down there. So those are three entertainment entertainment slash bowling facilities that are all coming in here together at the same time. That can't be good for bowling centers necessarily at the end of the day. Well, I think most of those are very small with just a few lanes, correct? I don't know how many lanes each one will have, to be honest with you. I, I'm not sure of the number. I mean, it's, Round one my is ten lanes. Of most of those, yeah. My, my perception of most of those is that they're just gathering something there that 
they're a bar restaurant that's trying to offer things that differentiate them to draw people who would go to other bars and restaurants. Come here and you can bowl as well as this. Now, yes, that might hurt a little bit of the for more of the high-end sports entertainment or entertainment center, bowling centers out there. But I, I, they're not going to run leagues. They're not going to take your league bowlers. They're right, but they're going to take your, everything I know. But you're going to take the open bowlers. And see, that's what yeah, I'm going yeah, back to. The, the Bolero aspect of open bowling, open bowling, open bowling, that whole aspect <clears throat> with these right. other companies now coming in, they're pretty much saying, no, we want to take some of those open bowlers. We want the families and the kids to come by us because then after they get done, they can do this, they can do that, they can do this. That whirly ball thing at Brookfield Square, that's essentially my understanding of it. Tell me if I'm wrong. Is essentially bumper cars with like lacrosse sticks and a ball with hoops on either end, and you're on teams, and you try to score into your hoop passing it while driving bumper cars and having a drink in the other hand. That's pretty much what that is, and yeah. that comes up from Chicago too, and that's another you know form of entertainment. Yes. So I'm just wondering, you know, if Bolero is sensing this, looking around the country, seeing some of these companies starting to pop up all over the place, and going, maybe league bowling is going to be more uh, of where we should be looking at to make more of our money because we may start losing some of these open bowlers. That's a great question and one I will have to ask the next time I talk to him. It makes perfect sense because you just see all this stuff out there. There's so much competition for that entertainment dollar. And a bowling center is the bread and butter for bowling centers still remains leagues for almost all of them. And, and of I think Bolero must be seeing that. And I'm seeing a lot at Bolero in Milwaukee, a lot of their leagues that they're coming up with, they're not 30-week leagues. These leagues are yeah. 8 weeks, 10-week, 12-week. Come in, have some fun. And they're very fun formats, some 9-pin taps. Uh, just, doubles leagues, that kind of thing. I just want the Vegas leagues where I can go to Vegas if I win the league. That's <laughs> all I care about. Let's just start one. Give me a Vegas league, man. That's that. Those were the fun summer leagues I used to bowl and have a chance to go to Vegas. Uh, also, I want to mention this. Be stupid not to. Bowlingforgold.com. I saw that all over Twitter uh, during the course of the week. Uh, and this is pretty much an effort to try and get bowling back in the Olympics. Yeah, you know... I- I'm trying to get a hold of Kevin Dornberger. They've got some meetings going on, so I haven't been able to touch base with him. He's the CEO of World Bowling. And see what he thinks about how much this really might help. My perception is that this won't, it, it can't hurt, but the IOC cares about TV ratings, sponsorship, fan interest, bottom line, money. Well, Fox helps all of that. Up, yeah, if you sent them 100 million names on a petition, I don't think they would care. If you showed them something that they could make the IOC better TV ratings and bring in sponsors and young demographics and make them more money, bowling would be in the Olympics tomorrow, the next one. I mean, that's, that's what they care about, and I don't think the petitions are going to change their mind. If it's a slight, if, you know, if we're on the border of getting in and a, they see this, maybe it helps a little bit. But the bottom line is still the things I've written about that Dornberger has communicated to me that the ILC communicated to him, and that's the things I just mentioned. It's the bottom line. The ILC's always been about the bottom line. That's why the Dream Team came about. So if the Fox Sports ratings go up, then that actually helps bowling prove to them that it should be an Olympic sport. Yes, I I absolutely think that. And uh, that's one of the things we have to watch as this season goes along to see if there's any momentum I think the really big thing you want to look at is not so much the Fox Sports 1 ratings because they're never going to be. I mean, that's a limited audience that doesn't reach as many homes as regular Fox. It's the TV, the big shows, the majors, the important ones that are going to be on the Fox, the main network, the broadcast network that anybody can watch over the air and it's on every system of any kind out there. What ratings do they get with those shows 
Do they are they able to increase those as the season goes along? How do the PBA playoffs play? The, look at this at the end of the season and say, okay, how did we do? And then the questions are, how do we do better next year? And then look at next year, and if things do start trending upward, that's when we say, okay, this is really paying off for PBA. If it doesn't start trending upward, then you start worrying. Yeah, he is Jeff Riggles of 11thframe.com. Dwight, do you have anything? Yeah, Jeff, I I do. One near and dear to your heart. Uh, Last two weeks in the shop, guys are asking me left and right if you know anything about the men's state tournament this year. Have you heard anything from Don Hildebrand? And I said, I know a guy coming up on Sunday that could give you all the information. Yep, I I was up there at the Hall of Fame dinner last weekend as they had the opening, and uh, Andrew Rixman um, from Osceola had uh, over 2,200 all events. Uh, another guy had over 790 singles and just a few bowlers going through that first weekend. And I got the scoop on the lane pattern numbers from Don, and they're in my uh, story that I wrote this week at 11thframe.com. Basically, we're looking at the same kind of thing we've looked at every year, pretty much just essentially slightly modified house shots. A little bit longer down the lane this year, mid-40 feet distance on the AMF HPLs up there that hook quite a bit. The big news I wrote about this last fall, Dale's Weston Lanes brought in the topography company uh, Bowling Voodoo, leveled all the lanes up there. I bet you there could be some record scores this year with those lanes being leveled and some soft conditions. So I think people are going to have a lot of fun if that's what you look for when you go to state. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. I'm sure we'll talk to you throughout the season. Love it. Anytime, Sparky. You bet you take care. There he is, Jeff Riggles of 11thframe.com and the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Start your renovation journey with a simple and convenient pre-approval from Great Midwest Bank, dedicated to providing perfectly personalized home loans to those right here in our communities since 1935. Uh, We're talking a little high school bowling coming up, but before we get into that, I have a big question about the players on the PBA Tour for Phil Brallo. I'll ask him next. Welcome back, Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show. Steve Sparky, Pfeiffer, Phil Brylo, Dwight Albrecht of the uh, Spare Time Pro Shop uh, in New Berlin. What's going on over there? Well, today we have City Team Classic. Oh. And, and uh, last week we obviously had Fantasy Draft and Full House for that, and now we'll have the, the big boys, local big boys back for City Team Classic, which is a one-day deal. I think they're going on right now. And you're busy, so you'll be open all day, I'm assuming? Oh, absolutely. All day long? How much business do you get while these guys are, are bowling? We'll get a lot before the tournament starts, right. and once they get going, not much. Not much. Then right. they kind of stay out. Right. And then you'll, of course, have the PBA show on, I'm assuming, the doubles. Absolutely. Roth and Holman. And that's what brings me to Phil Brallo of uh, Extra Frame. I was thinking about this. I, I saw Holman and Roth yes. uh, yep. in Oklahoma, and they took the picture or the, the shot of them or whatever, mm-hmm. and Roth is smiling, and Holman is smiling, saying, hey, it's Mark Roth. Roth. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. Um How much do you think these younger bowlers really know who some of these older bowlers are like the the history of the sport i i guess i would i would put it out there as because it seems to me like the pba tour really goes out of their way to continue to remember the older bowlers and keep them alive in everybody's memories and active on the bowling scene a little bit how do these younger guys gravitate towards that the guys on tour, they know their they know their history. They learn the history. They know who these guys are when they walk in the dark. That kind of thing. I think if you look at somebody, if we went to our, one of our local high school matches last week, the kids wouldn't have a clue, and that's now, where the disconnect. 
right. needs to change a bit. Right. And I don't that I, I'm not really concerned about okay. the high school kids. I, I'm more concerned about those guys. For instance, yeah. so when Gary Ellerson played for the Packers back in the early '80s, when Forrest Gregg was there, he always told stories about they'd come in from practice, and Forrest Gregg's teammates were all sitting in the hot tub, chilling out in the practice in the practice facility. And there's Gary trying to get in an ice bath, and, and you know Jerry Kramer sitting in his ice bath or whatever, you know, chilling out, right? So Forrest Gregg made them kind of mm-hmm. get to know those guys that won the championships with Vince Lombardi and everything else and really integrated both of them. It seems to me like it's kind of the same thing. Now, yes, for Svensson, he knows about Mark Roth and Marshall Holman and the history of both of those guys and the rivalry and Holman being a hothead and all of that stuff. Yeah, everybody knows about Holman being a hothead and being the fired-up guy, but— when I mean, a prime example of it, when Fox, they, those little interstitials that they taped, like you see the guys looking into the camera and that, they did that in Tulsa to get the guys on the PBA tour, you know, more fired up, more personality out there. Who are they bringing to talk to all the bowlers? Marshall, Marshall Holman. Holman. Right. Nice. Yeah. And you know what I do, what I do miss? They did it in week one. I really wish they would do the intros again for these bowlers, the intro videos or whatever else they did, especially for guys like the guy from Canada, like. Nobody knows who the hell that guy is, Gerard or whatever. I mean, nobody knows anything about that dude. He's a bald dude with glasses. Okay, yeah. he did part-time a nice, guy. Did a nice little thing after a yeah. strike, after a strike, and showed some emotion. Okay, yeah. good. But average bowler has no average fan right. has no idea who this dude like is. A little history yeah. about right. It right. doesn't have to be a thirty second video right. or whatever. Something. I I loved how they did it in week one when they did it that way. I'd love to see them continue that on. Now I know you're pressed for time in a TV tape in a live TV show. You have to be off the air. You can't edit and like you can when you're taping or something like that. Um, but, yeah, so that would be nice. Sorry. Uh, okay, so let's uh, – well, go ahead. Well, I, I totally agree with Bill. Um, they gave uh, Holman and Roth a standing ovation. All the fans stood up in, yep. the, in the crowd, That's awesome. young and old. Yep. Okay, so there, I think there's a tremendous amount of respect uh, for Roth and Holman uh, from not only the fans, um, young and old, but also the players too. I totally agree with Bill about – like the kids today, when I was that kid back in the 60s and 70s, we absolutely idolized our uh, Hall of Famers, right. the old guys, if you want to call it that. We knew that they paved that path for the next I just think it's, of pros. I think it's good for a sport to be able to still connect to its history absolutely, uh, and make the people that are in that sport now understand the history, and I think they've done a really nice job. Uh, doing that on the PBA tour. All right, high school bowling. I, I know Phil has been out and traveling and so forth. Uh, but a little primer on uh, high school bowling. Well, we had our uh, high school mixed doubles championship out in Madison, and we had our midwinter down at Castellanes and Racine right between the holidays. And I'll tell you what, it's interesting to see how high school bowling's changed over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I think the talent pool is starting to shrink a little bit. There's mm-hmm. some still quality players out there, but for some reason, and you guys mentioned last week talking about the Oak Creek High School right. program, yes, uh, getting the numbers out there. Uh, I think it's going to be getting tougher and tougher to get the numbers out there for a lot of these high schools. I don't, you know, is there a magic formula to turn that around? Right. I don't know, but I'm looking at you know some of the districts where there used to be, you know, eight, nine, ten girls teams out right. there, and now there's six. Yeah, I touched on that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's kind of scary. Um, you know, Gary Beck, as much as Any people, reasons why, what, Phil? Well, Gary Beck, as much as they, you either love the guy or hate the guy, uh, he had a thing a few years out talking about how there was just going to be no youth bowling by 2022. And some of his numbers have been kind of right on where it's just the distractions and everything else going on, uh, the equipment needed to be competitive at the game holds some people back as well. And 
there's all kinds of factors on why it's happening. Um, it, what, what's it going to take to turn around? I don't know, but whether it takes Listen, the help of ads at schools or oh, which they don't really have. Hold on. Okay. Look, and I, this isn't that difficult to understand. I'll I'll make this real nice and simple for you. Okay. So when I was growing up, my dad bowled in league. So he put me and my brother in league on Saturday mornings because yep. he bowled. So we bowled in league, okay? Let's go to my brother now. My brother uh, has his kid. He put his kid in league. He was all excited. Oh, got him a bowling ball, got him a bowling bag, all excited. Bowled a year and said, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not interested. This is boring. Out. So now he's playing lacrosse. I mean, that that t- to me... That's kind of what it was. You had parents at Bolden League. My mom bowled in league too. They they bowled in league, and then they made their kids bowl in league. And I would go to league with my dad when he used to bowl and sit there and watch my dad and his buddies bowl or whatever else. My mom would take us down there. And we'd watch my dad bowl. Not all the time, but once in a while, we'd go down there and watch. And it was awesome. It was like, dude, I want to do what my dad does, right? That's kind of the deal. And now I doesn't. I I, I think you've lost that. And then the the younger generation on the twenties and the thirties that are having kids. As well, you lost them along the way coming up. So you lost those guys that were bowling league coming up. Those are the guys that you lost. And now when they have kids, bowling isn't a big deal because they didn't bowl league. Yep, I fully agree with you there. That's exactly what it is. I look at you know, all the kids that I used to see when I first started doing the tournaments on Time Warner Sports. That was a dozen years ago. I look at the number of kids that still bowl out there. It might be 1 in 10. Sure. Might be. You look at the average league we walk in now. We walk in our league nights. I'm 52. I'm one of the younger guys in my league. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, like Sparky said, people in their mid-30s now that fell off in the 90s and stopped bowling now, 20 teens, and their kids are 10, 11, 12 years old, they're not picking it up. But how this has to work to a degree is the open bowling, these kids open bowl, there's got to be some way to try and flip that. Or like Oak Creek did, where they have this open house. Yes. And the for the ninth graders, yep. Yep. and you have all these teams and clubs all set up around, right? Yep. All kinds of whatever, maybe could be student driven clubs, could be club teams, could be lettered teams, whatever. They all have representatives, and then yep. the kids just go around and sign up on whatever's interests them. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what happened to Oak Creek. They just had a sheet out. They had their coaches standing there, and they had probably a bunch of first time people that have never bowled before sign up for it. I think you, if you're a proprietor of bowling now and you see a youth come in with their parents and start doing some bowling, I would be going down to every one of those kids with a flyer saying, hey, if you're interested, we have a junior league on Saturday mornings here. I'll tell you what else I would do. I would offer a team discount. Like if you and your buddies want to bowl together on a three-man team or whatever the teams are now in youth bowling, if you want to bowl on a three-man team, if you all three of you sign up at the same time, we'll discount you, whatever the case may be, versus a single yeah. signing up. If you bring a whole team over here, We'll discount the team. All right, we got to take a quick timeout. Back after this, we'll preview today's PBA show next here on the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show. Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show here on the fan. All right, time to wrap it up. Coming up uh, today, uh, once again, the Roth Holman PBA Doubles Championship on FS1. Make sure to uh, check that out. All right, Phil Brylo, who you like? Uh, I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna withdraw because I know what happens. And wait, <laughs> no, 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 right. no. Actually, I would take the top seeds this week. Top seeds. Well, fine. Then I'll do the same thing. I'm with you. Go ahead. <laughs> 
I'm the same as Phil, unfortunately, with social media. I kind of read something Jeez. that... You know, Riggles put out the spoiler alert on Twitter. Hey, if you want to know what happens, here you go. Right. Who wants to know before you watch I, it? Right. I Goodbye. still want to see the show. Yeah.